You're listening to the Assembly Call IU podcast and postgame show, the place where Indiana fans across the globe hang out online after every IU basketball game. Join us for our live broadcasts on Thursday nights and immediately following every IU game at our website, assemblycall.com. That's assemblycall.com. This episode of The Assembly Call is brought to you by SeatGeek. As you know, buying tickets to sports and concerts can be complicated and confusing, but there is a better way to buy, and that is with SeatGeek. SeatGeek is the smartest, easiest way to get tickets to every type of live event. Whether you're searching for a last-minute deal, planning a night out, or need to find the perfect gift, SeatGeek helps you find the best seats at the best prices, fully guaranteed. There is nothing quite like seeing your favorite team or musician in person, and SeatGeek will get you closer to the action for a great value. I have the SeatGeek app on my phone, and it is by far the easiest way that I have found to shop for tickets because I can be anywhere, and with just a few taps, I can instantly find seats, uh, and I plan to use this. My wife and I have a 17-month-old, haven't been a lot of nights out recently, but we plan to have one soon, and we will definitely be using SeatGeek to find concert tickets so that we can go out and enjoy a nice evening, and we know that SeatGeek will make the ticket buying experience easier than ever because it saves us time and money by searching multiple ticket sites to compare prices and find amazing deals. And best of all, Assembly Call listeners get $20 off of your first SeatGeek purchase. So just download the SeatGeek app, enter the promo code ASSEMBLY today, and you will get $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase. That is promo code ASSEMBLY, A-S-S-E-M-B-L-Y. And welcome, Hoosier fans, to this week's edition of Assembly Call Radio, where each week we discuss the most important IU basketball stories from the past seven days. This is our 65th edition of Assembly Call Radio, and it is our 390th episode overall of the Assembly Call, recorded on the afternoon of Thursday, February 22nd, and for the first time ever on location at the Indianapolis studio of CBS Sports 1430. Kent, thank you for the opportunity. It should become a Kent Sterling birthday tradition that you guys come into town and record here. (laughs) I like that. I like that. Well, I'm your host, Jared Morris, uh, and obviously I will introduce uh, my other co-host here in a second, as we always do. Uh, But let's begin this week how we begin every episode of the Assembly Call, and that is with our Hoosier Proud banner moment. And for the second week in a row, I'm going to acknowledge Justin Smith in this spot because... The guy has clearly been Indiana's most improved player over the past few games. In fact, on a permanent basis, he's been as productive as any player on the team. And while there, I think, are still questions about how young guys like Devontae Green and Al Durham and Clifton Moore fit into Indiana's future, Justin is a guy who has clearly positioned himself as a major part of the future. And you can envision him as a starter on a really good Indiana basketball team. And It's more than just the numbers that he's been putting up over the last few games. To me, it's how he's been getting them because everything he's doing is sustainable. And it's a result of the systematic improvement that he's made to his game and his mindset since he arrived on campus and especially since returning from Christmas break when Archie Miller commented that he really had a renewed focus. You know, his jump shot, obviously, is still a work in progress and he turns the ball over a bit too much and you may be still prone to the occasional lapse on defense, but so many other areas are better. He's playing tougher around the basket, both as a scorer and a rebounder. He's defending with more consistency. He's running the floor with purpose. And while he's still prone to some foul trouble, he's starting to eliminate some of the silly fouls that seem to plague all freshmen. So really, to me, been kind of an up and down last few games. But the biggest takeaway is that Justin Smith is really starting to arrive as a key player for this team. And that's huge for the final games this year and as we move into next season. All right, let me now introduce my esteemed co-host for this week's show. We do not have Andy Bottoms with us this week, but in his place, the great Kent Sterling, the host of the Kent Sterling Show on CBS 1430, and as we mentioned, the birthday boy. Kent, welcome to the Assembly Call. It's well, awesome thank to have you very you on much. Here. I'm, a, uh, I'm a huge fan of your show, as you guys both know. So what is your, you can kind of take Andy's bottoms line segment. What is your bottoms line from the past week in IU basketball? Well, you got to get guys who are willing to commit to not having their head up their ass during points of the 40 minutes. You know, there were missed blockouts uh, the other night 
many of them. Zach McRoberts is a guy who normally is in the right place at the right time. He wasn't. I think he found out in 11 minutes, yeah, 12, which is ridiculous. Yeah. Devontae Green with six turnovers, and none of them were pretty. You know, you, you've got guys who just didn't show up, and, and without Nebraska really being a questionable offensive team, that game could have been over early. Yeah, absolutely. All right, and to my right, we have someone who is licking his chops to do an off-season scouting report on Romeo Langford should he commit to <laughs> IU and try to convince you that he discovered him, like he discovered Deron Davis, Justin Smith, and Juwan Morgan's NBA, NBA potential. He's a columnist for the big lead, and he is a man who flew in a day early to Indianapolis, spending our hard-earned donation money on expensive private security detail that would <laughs> usher him straight from his airplane to a limousine in anticipation of throngs of adoring fans awaiting his arrival— only to find that no such throng of fans existed, save for an elderly Purdue fan in a Drew Brees San Diego Chargers jersey who he pretended was there waiting just for him. He is Ryan Phillips. Ryan, what is your rant from the past week in Indiana basketball? That's just rude. Rude. <laughs> um, you know, I, I just, I mean, I think like everybody, I was just so disappointed in the effort at, at Nebraska because there was such a great opportunity for Indiana to maybe, uh, you know, make some hay on the road for once. And, and it just, the, the effort was just atrocious and, and to come out and, and have a chance to move to 17 and 12 and, and 10 and seven in the conference and just blow it the way they blew it was, you know, and the problem was they blew it late too. And, and there were several frustrations for me. One of them was the constant shots of Nebraska's bench mob, Oof. which was the most annoying thing I've ever like. When Monmouth did it last year or two years ago or whenever that was, it was kind of funny and original and different. Now, the Nebraska one wasn't funny. It wasn't clever. Like, there was nothing about it that I liked. And I'm usually a fan of things that are, you know, interesting or different. And it just that just wasn't. Um, but what, what I think was the most disappointing thing of that uh, during that game was giving up 19 offensive rebounds to Nebraska. I mean, that's just inexcusable, particularly on the road. You know you're not going to win if you do that. And, and so I, I just, I don't know. I, it, there was so much wrong with that performance and and so many guys who you usually can rely on to step up. As Kent said, Zach McRoberts, you know, fouls out in 12 minutes and played awful in those 12 minutes. I mean, it was almost a relief when he fouled out because of how poorly he was playing. Um, Juwan Morgan just looks exhausted from this season. Um, he played okay, but you expect so much more from him. Devontae Green was a disaster, uh, and he'd been playing great lately. So it, it, you you hit the nail on the head with Justin Smith. Uh, Jared, I, I love what we're seeing from him. I just wish some other guys could could replicate that effort and, and you know, his confidence because we just didn't see it. And, and so, you know, a huge missed opportunity for Archie Miller's team, and you could tell he knew it was a big opportunity with how frustrated he was. Uh, on the sideline. I think that's the most animated we've seen him on the sideline all year. And that's saying something because Archie's a pretty animated guy. So really just a rough night as, as an Indiana fan. And uh, hopefully they can sort of turn this week around and, and, and make something happen against uh, against Ohio State. Yep. All right. Well, here is what we are going to discuss this week. We will talk about what's at stake on Friday night when Indiana hosts Ohio State. We will discuss the three biggest questions that will determine whether Indiana plays just two or three more games this season or maybe makes a couple of deep tournament runs. And then we're going to talk about a simple sad statistic that illustrates the mediocrity that has engulfed Indiana basketball and what our expectations are for the future of Archie Miller. And then, as we always do, we will end by answering your questions in our final segment. All of that coming here on Assembly Call Radio. Now this quick reminder, the next time that you are looking for tickets to a sporting event or a concert, remember our friends at SeatGeek. You can download their app, which is incredibly convenient and easy to use, or if you just want an easy-to-remember URL that will take you directly to the IU basketball ticket listings on SeatGeek's website, here it is, iutickets.shop. So, for example, if you want to get last-minute tickets to the Indiana-Ohio State game that is coming up, they have those on SeatGeek. If you want Big Ten tournament tickets, or maybe you want to go see Victor Oladipo dominate in a Pacers uniform, you can find tickets to all of that and more at SeatGeek. And for the IU basketball tickets, again, you want to use the URL iutickets.shop to check out the latest deals. And if it is your first time using SeatGeek, don't forget the promo code ASSEMBLY. Use it when you make your first purchase, and you will get $20 back after that purchase. Again, the promo code assembly and the URL, iutickets.shop. 
You are listening to The Assembly Call. I'm Jared Morse. I'm here with Ryan Phillips and our special guest for the afternoon, Kent Sterling, who is filling in for Andy Bottoms. And guys, I want to just spend a few minutes here talking about what's at stake in this game Friday night. Uh, you know, obviously the opportunity to get a big win over a ranked team, which Indiana uh, hasn't done this year, the opportunity for seniors to go out on a high note. We know that's at stake. But there are also some specific things at stake in terms of Big Ten tournament seeding, and I think they make a pretty big difference because if Indiana wins, the Hoosiers clinch the number six seed, and they will then play the winner of the 11-14 game, which will take place on that Wednesday, and then Indiana's first game would be on Thursday. Indiana also clinches the number six seed if Penn State loses at Nebraska. So if either one of those things happen, Indiana clinches the six seed. If IU loses and Penn State wins, then the Hoosiers fall to a seven seed. They would play Wisconsin or Northwestern, and that team would obviously be on the same rest as Indiana because they would not have played the day before. Um, so, I mean, Ryan, it, you know, obviously you want to win, it, you want to finish sixth, um, but how important of an advantage do you think that is for the Big Ten tournament? Getting a chance, you know, obviously, to play the, you know, a team that won't uh, uh, have any rest or a team that would be on the same rest as you. Does that make a difference? I think it makes a huge difference this year with the compressed schedule. I mean, that we've seen where these, I mean, you can tell down the stretch. You've watched a couple of these teams late are just, ex- they're, they're, I mean, we mentioned it with Juwan Morgan. I mentioned in the opening segment. I mean, he looks exhausted. A lot of these guys look exhausted. And, and quite frankly, you know, getting that advantage of not only getting a tired team coming to the turn, but then having to play the next day, uh, that's a huge advantage. If you're, if you're looking to advance in the tournament. Now you also have to look at right now, I believe Purdue would be the three seed right now. So Indiana would get another, could get another shot at Purdue. If they get that six seed, I think everybody associated with Indiana basketball wants another shot after what we saw at assembly hall a couple weeks ago. Um, that was certainly a team they compete with. Purdue has struggled down the stretch. Um, I, I think that'd be a great thing for Indiana basketball to have that matchup and and maybe get a chance to do that. <laughs> Plus, if you are, are in the seven ten matchup, you might wind up playing Michigan State. So, hmm. I mean, you, you don't know how that <laughs> you don't know how that's all going to work out. But Michigan State is on fire right now. Uh, you want to avoid them at all costs if you're going to make a deep run in the in the Big Ten tournament. I think it would be great to get another shot at Purdue for Indiana, especially if they're looking to sort of maybe advance and and look like they're going to make a postseason tournament. Uh, they're going to need to take a shot at a bigger team, and it, it it really be helpful to get that team on short rest. By the way, when we look back at this season, the biggest statistical oddity is going to be the rebounding performance by Indiana against Michigan State in that home game. Oh God, that was unbelievable! <laughs> Did that actually happen? <laughs> Especially after watching how Indiana's rebounded the last couple games. Can as you look toward the Big Ten tournament and. I really hesitate to start talking about who Indiana would play on Friday in the Big Ten tournament because that assumes a win on Thursday. And assuming any success in the Big Ten tournament for Indiana is a really foolish thing to do. But as you look forward, would you rather play Ohio State or Purdue in that that Friday game potentially? I think we're going to find out tomorrow night or or tonight you know i'm not sure which you'd rather play i don't think that here here's what i want to see because nebraska what they did they got great length and they extended their defense into the backcourt and they really put a lot of pressure on indiana's guards i want to see if chris holtman does that at simon scott assembly hall i i think michigan state would i don't know whether purdue is kind of geared toward that kind of behavior but i want to see indiana behave as though possession of the ball matters as guards are playing extended because if they don't, then they're not going to win anyway. And this is all just nonsense on our way to like a first or second round NIT defeat at best. Uh, I'd like to get to Friday in the Big Ten tournament. I it, The deeper they go and the more wins they can stack, the better I think moving forward. If things show some positive momentum, I think that fans will like that. You know, we kind of vibed with it with a four-game winning streak, a three-game winning streak earlier in the season. I think Indiana's got to show some improvement and and show that that backslide at Nebraska was an anomaly. Well, and the other thing you've got to look at is the guards have been better and better and better at not turning the ball over. You know, there have been turnover numbers. You know, the numbers haven't been great, but they've been not turning it over in key situations, especially late in games. And you've really seen them be coached well on how to run the offense late in contest on important possessions. You know, you'll see guys throw a ball out of bounds middle of the game, you know, when the game's kind of, you know, losing its flow. 
But late in games when they've needed to knuckle down, especially during that win streak, they played pretty well. And and, and so that Nebraska game was just what are we what are we seeing? You know, I mean, you, you, right. you didn't it didn't line up with what we've seen. And you've got to wonder again: is this team just worn out and they're just losing it, or was that, as you said, an anomaly and not something that we're going to 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 see moving forward? Um, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see how Holtman sets his sets his team up because the, you know Indiana's guards got abused the other night against Nebraska. So it'll be interesting to see how Chris Holtman and uh, Ohio State tries to attack that. Yeah, well, on that subject, coming up on the assembly call, we are going to discuss three pressing questions that are going to determine whether Indiana can beat a team like Ohio State, make a run in the Big Ten tournament, and whatever other tournament they might play in after that. We will talk about that next on the assembly call. Stick with us. Hey, just a real quick note here. The next time that you are going to shop online for IU gear, use the URL iustore.shop. That will take you to the official IU online store where they have anything you could possibly want. Candy stripe pants, the script Indiana warm-up shirt, all kinds of IU gear. And that URL, iustore.shop, is actually our affiliate URL. So when you use it, and buy something, we get paid a commission. So it's a great way for you to shop for the IU gear that you need and to support the assembly call at the same time. Again, the URL is iustore.shop. Please bookmark it and use it the next time you're looking to buy IU gear. We appreciate it. Now back to the show. You are listening to The Assembly Call. I'm Jared Morris here with Ryan Phillips and Kent Sterling, our special guest, filling for Andy Bottoms this week. Don't forget, if you ever have to miss all or part of an episode of Assembly Call Radio, there are two great ways to catch up. You can subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Just search for Assembly Call. Or you can join our live Thursday night broadcasts or watch the video replays and get all the fun between segment banter that you don't always necessarily get on the podcast or the radio by subscribing to our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash assembly call. So, gentlemen, in our last segment, we kind of talked about what's at stake here for Indiana as they go up against Ohio State and look to head to the Big Ten tournament a little bit. Let's talk about what Indiana is going to have to do to actually make a run, because we know for Indiana to have any chance at the NCAA tournament, they probably have to win the Big Ten tournament. And even to feel good about their NIT chances, not just to make the tournament, you know, but to to do well in that, they're going to have to play, you know, at their best, at their peak. And we've seen Indiana be pretty good over the last few weeks, but that last game against Nebraska wasn't very good. And I thought it presented a lot of questions. And so, I have three questions I want to pose these to you guys that, to me, are going to determine what this team is capable of here as we move forward. And if you guys have, you know, any different questions or, or a dispute, this is even that important of a question. You know, let's uh, let's hash that out right now. Um, but the first question, and Ken, I want to get your thoughts on this first because Ryan and I, you know, we spent a decent amount of time talking about this uh, on uh, the uh, the Nebraska post game show. Um, it's about Jawan Morgan and. If any Hoosier deserves benefit of the doubt this year, it's Juwan because he's been incredible. He has had such a heavy burden on him from a production standpoint, from a leadership standpoint, and he just, he hasn't been himself over the past couple of games. And so the first question that I think is going to determine what this team can do is, does Juwan have enough left in the tank to play like a first team all Big Ten player? It's a high standard, but he kind of has to play there and not like the honorable mention type guy he's been the last couple of games for Indiana to be at his best and heavy workload. He's got to have a lot of bumps and bruises that are adding up. Uh, that to me is the most important question facing this team moving forward because they need him to be great. And it's really unfortunate the way the season's played out and the way the scheduling has played out where we've got this condensed schedule and that doesn't really work in favor of Juwan Morgan being ready to go with 72 hours rest you know, 18 times during the Big Ten season or whatever. Uh, obviously, they need him to play really well. I think that this does bode well where y- you might have six days between their final game against Ohio State and the first time that they play in the Big Ten tournament. That might be really good for him. I think that Archie Miller is cognizant of kind of limiting his workload and limiting the workload of a, a team without a deep bench. You know, in February, we remember guys who remember Bob Knight as a coach going for a half an hour when it became February because he had to save guys' legs. Juwan Morgan has been asked to shoulder an incredible load this entire season. When he plays well, they play well. I I think that we're, we're kind of 
in the midst of learning about Archie Miller and his adroitness, if that's even a word, in, in we'll figuring <laughs> out <laughs> how to deal with a bench, how to deal with his starters and make sure they're fresh night after night. Because we've seen, yeah, we saw this with Tom Crean too. Tom Crean back in 2013 when Indiana was ranked number one, we saw a team that in the, in the Ohio State game, we watched them get tired right before our eyes in the first mm-hmm. five minutes of the second half. That can't happen here. And, you know, on the plus side, there is a month off in between the Big Ten tournament and the start of whatever tournament <laughs> Indiana would be in after that. So, uh, Thanks, Jim Delaney. Yeah. So, okay, so that's the first question. The second question, I believe, revolves around Devontae Green. Um, because, I think these two are linked, quite frankly. The first two are linked. Well, actually, all three of them might be linked if you consider the impact that Devontae Green has on Robert Johnson, too, which is a guy I want to talk about in the third question. So, I mean, look, I think Devontae Green impacts every player on the roster because he just makes Indiana a different team. He can create for guys. And so that's why my second question is, can Indiana get more Devontae, more good Devontae than bad Devontae? Because he had a nice stretch there. Now two out of the last three games have been bad. Obviously the one that was good, the Iowa game, Indiana won. And I don't think that we can expect him to just be good every game. That's just not him yet. He's not at that level of consistency but Indiana is going to have to get more good than bad if they're going to string together some victories because he brings an element of just ability to create for himself and other players that Indiana doesn't have when he's not functioning well. And assist rate is a stat, Ryan, that we've talked about on the postgame show all season long. And there is such a stark difference between Indiana's assist rate when Devontae's playing well and when he's not. And Indiana isn't good enough individually, offensively, to expect guys to just go create shots on their own. It's got to come out of the offense, and the offense works so much better when Devontae's at his best. Yeah, he's he's Indiana's only real creator, I would say. Um, you know, Jawan Morgan can make things happen. Occasionally, Robert Johnson can make things happen. But he's the real creator on the team, and he creates for other players, something that you're right, not anybody really, nobody else really does that. And, and um, I would say that this is very linked to Jawan Morgan because I think Jawan Morgan, one of his struggles lately has been, look, he's going to get all the attention and they're going to double him in the post and they're going to attack him. Um, and he needs help. He needs someone who can take that pressure off him. And Devontae Green is a guy who can do that. He can hit an outside shot. He can cut into the lane and make something happen for somebody else. And he can make it so the defense has to pay attention to him. Um, and and look, heading into to Friday night's game, uh, you've got Devontae. That was uh, the Ohio State game was the start of, of, of his little mini breakout there. And and so he's clearly going to have some confidence heading into that game. Hopefully it's not overconfidence because <laughs> when we've seen Devontae Green overconfident, it, it can get ugly. Um, but at the same time, you know, he's a guy who, again, can make things happen on the floor. And you don't have a whole lot of guys on this roster that can do that. I think those guys are coming to Indiana, but they're not there yet. And, and so that's that's the issue. And if you want Jawan Morgan to be able to rest a little on offense, and you've got to let somebody else shoulder some of the load. And yeah. there's a way for him to be out there and still getting the minutes and not working as hard as he has to, you know, not having to work every single possession offensively. Um, and that, that'll certainly help Indiana moving forward. But I thought Kent's point about Juwan was was great, that they might get six days off before they have to play in the Big Ten tournament. That's going to be huge for them, especially mm-hmm. Juwan Morgan's worn down partially because he's had to move so you know into the post, and there's no Deron Davis to help him out. you know, And, and there's nobody else really on the run. Freddie McSwain's helped him out a little bit, but they're usually on the floor at the same time. You know, I mean, there's no real rest for him anywhere and he's having to guard guys he wouldn't normally guard and do things he wouldn't normally have to do he's been outstanding at it but that's going to wear you down remember this is really his first full season because of injuries so it's not like he's a typical third year guy so yeah Kent where where do you stand on the Devontae Green experience right now Devontae Green when he's defended in a way that doesn't suit him does stupid things with the basketball. He is clearly Indiana's most talented player. He's a guy who can break a, die, a guy down. He can create shots. He's a really adept passer. He he delivers the ball on time, on target. He does so many things well that you, you kind of like, during the same half of basketball, he might be your least favorite Indiana player ever and your most favorite Indiana player yeah. ever. Yeah. That's who he is. The thing that really bugged me about Nebraska is him with the ball, 27 seconds left. He didn't understand that they could have gone one shot. 
and then kind of, although he was put in this position by teammates who gave him the ball late in the shot clock, just kind of screwed around until the shot clock expired, and they lost a possession that way. I don't think you can win basketball games if you don't prize the ball, and if you if you fail to create shots on every single possession, a team like Indiana is going to get beat, and, and Devontae Green is not good enough to bring Indiana victories uh, while playing sloppy basketball. And, and my question about the whole thing to you guys is, is he back next year? Does he drive Archie Miller so damn crazy that Archie can't deal with it? And there's a parting of the ways where he can go play at Providence like Stanford Robinson. I I think he's back. I, I absolutely do. I think there's there's a streak in there that Archie loves. And I think that the project for Archie is going to be how do I get more of that than this? And and knowing what I know about Archie Miller and what I've seen from him, he loves that kind of challenge to unlock the good in a player. And if you've listened to what he said about Devontae all year about, you know, he's a New York guard. We got to get some of that out of him. Ooh. We got to, you know, that whole, but I think that Archie likes that sort of, I don't know. He has a, Devontae has a streak in him that is very just like raw. And I think that Archie loves that. You know, I mean, he's a guy. There's who, a stubborn confidence that will serve him well if yeah. he balances it with enough humility. And, and I think Archie thinks this roster needs one guy like that, you know, who just has that, who's just, you know, does not have a conscience about taking a shot, taking a drive, whatever. It's just about finding the consistency with it, you know. To get to the hoop and, and more consistently without turning the ball over and things like that. Because you've seen what Devontae Green can do when he doesn't turn the ball over. And he you're right, when he values possessions. So if you can just sort of hammer the edges off his game, you're right. You can have a phenomenally talented player. He's one of those guys, and somebody mentioned this on Twitter the other night, where he embodies all that's wrong about summer basketball. Like AU. Right? Yeah, where it's all about, hey, I got to show out for coaches who are watching me instead of, Hey, I got to figure out a way to win this game. He looks like he's never been challenged to win. He's just been challenged to show people how talented he is. And that's a problem for Indiana basketball. Yeah. And I think a lot of kids come into college like that these days because that's, they're trained to do that. You know, it's about standing out. It's not about winning. And, and, you know, I remember when I was coming up through the AAU ranks, it was, we, we cared about winning. That was right. because if you won the game, then scouts would pay attention to you. Yeah. You know, they didn't pay attention to the losing teams. You score 45 points, but if you lost, they'd say, well, the guy didn't do anything. But that's not the way it is now because you've got these kids are all playing on super teams. We played with our high school team, you know, and, right. and a couple, yeah. and, you know, like maybe it would be two high schools combined. Now it's they're playing and they're all, you know, all the five stars play together and things like that. So it is about showing off and it is about showcasing your talent as opposed to showing how you can actually play basketball, you know, in a team, in a team setting. Also, Ken, if Devontae is not back, our backcourt next year is Al Durham and Robert Fennessey, period. Well, uh, <laughs> I mean, unless sure Romeo get... plays the two. Yeah, I know. Uh, but that, that's, be all right. that is kind of the state of, of Indiana's backcourt. But yes, it hopefully is... there's Romeo and maybe a, a grad transfer <laughs> or something. But I, look, It's I, not going to be Josh Newkirk, no, and that's good news no, for everyone. it will not. It will not. All right, you are listening to the Assembly Call. I'm Jared Morris. I'm here with Ryan Phillips and Kent Sterling. And we are talking about the three questions that are going to determine how much basketball Indiana plays for the rest of this season. And let's go on with the third question now, guys. And look, there are a lot of them that I think you could put in here. You know, does Justin Smith continue his evolution? Uh, you know, are Zach McRobertson and uh, Freddie McSwain able to get back to being the productive guys that they were the first few games that they started? But the Mick lineup. The Mick lineup. But to me, the most important thing for a team that a lot of times is starved for scoring, especially against good teams. I think it has to come back to Robert Johnson. And I think if Indiana is going to win games in the Big Ten tournament, they're going to have to do it against good teams. If they're going to win games in the IT, they're going to have to do it against pretty good teams. And Robert does have a career trend of producing really well offensively against weaker competition, but struggling against better competition. And he actually only has one season in which his offensive efficiency didn't pretty much plummet against tier A and B competition. And that's his sophomore year when he was playing with Yogi Ferrell, as we've talked about a lot. So, for example, this year in 17 Big Ten games, he only has nine games with an offensive rating above 100, and only three of those games came against teams in the upper half of the Big Ten standings. So for Robert, again, a guy who you know has struggled against the lower tier, there aren't going to be that many games left. And so I think it is absolutely imperative 
that you know he's on a 19 for 34 streak from three over the last five games. He's got to keep that up against better competition. And uh, you know, as you mentioned with Devonte and Juwan, I think a huge part of that is Devonte taking some pressure off of Robert to be a creator. Let him do what he does best, best, which is be a catch and shoot guy. And if he can get him some open looks, that'll go a long way for Indiana. Yeah, I think I, I think we've we've talked about this repeatedly. He's he's a Robin. He's not a Batman, and he needs somebody to shoulder the load of playmaking and creating and, and and leave him open to sort of pick his spots. He can't be relied on every possession to be the offensive threat from the perimeter. He needs to pick his spots. And and the problem with Robert is that when he can't just pick his spots, if he misses, he loses confidence. You know, and and that's why you need to let him score when he's comfortable scoring. And you kind of have to sort of handle him in that way. Um, And and we know what he provides defensively. He's an excellent defender. He's always been an excellent defender. He'll have a game off or two, but for the most part, he's been very good in that. But he's not a guy who builds confidence through his defense. He just plays defense, you know. And some guys will make a great stop, and they'll all of a sudden go down and have the confidence and knock down a three or or get in the lane and, and finish. He's not that guy. He's his his games are his you know his game is very separated. Um but if he can get going early in games and they can get him comfortable shooting, get him comfortable finishing at the rim, he can be a dangerous player. But again, you've got to have somebody to help him get into that. And so that's key. And and that's why I think, as you said, the, these these are all linked. I mean, if he can play off of Jawan Morgan, if he can play off of Devontae Green, then you've got something. But if you're relying on him to possess the ball and create something, India is going to be in trouble. Kent, did I miss anything putting those questions no, together? No, and I, I totally agree about Robert Johnson. He, he's a guy, when the game comes easy to him, he can be really, really good. Like at Iowa, when uh, I think it was the end of the first half, he knew exactly where he wanted the ball and when he wanted the ball, and he told the guys, here's what we're going to do, and he's pointing. He went to the wing caught, knocked down the three, that's Robert Johnson feeling really good about Robert Johnson. When he doesn't feel good about himself, he just gets lost. And I, yeah. I think he's got to... He can and, wander through games. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, th- I think Archie is going to be really good about that, and I think he's been good about it with Robert, and he's going to be good with other guys, where he's going to instill that kind of badass confidence, because if you don't have it, you can't play in a Big Ten. Yeah. All right, coming up, we take a look at the harsh reality of where IU basketball currently stands in the national pecking order, and then a little bit more optimistically, what our expectations and standards are for the future with Archie Miller. That's coming up. Stick with us. You are listening to The Assembly Call. Go to assemblycall.com slash join right now to learn how to subscribe to our email newsletter. If you want to get more out of being an IU basketball fan, then you really do need to be on our newsletter list. You will get our weekly Six Banner Sunday news roundups, as well as our post-game analysis emails that we send the morning after every IU game. It is all free, and it will make you a smarter IU basketball fan again the URL is assemblycall.com slash join. And I'm Jared Morris. And speaking of smart IU basketball fans, I'm here with Ryan Phillips and our special guest this week, Kent Sterling. And we got this question from Rob, and it was a bit of a reality check <laughs> as I read it. But his comment, sent this via Twitter, says, Barring a miracle, this year will mark the eighth in the last 15 that we have failed to make the big dance. A 47% success rate. You know, and I think back to growing up with Bob Knight where you just assumed every year you were going to make the NCAA tournament. Indiana streak of, I don't know how high the streak got, but 17, 18, 19 straight times, something like that, where they made the NCAA tournament. And as Rob says, it's really an unfathomable reality. And so his question is, with confidence in Archie High right now, what do you think that stat is over the next 15 years? And what percentage would constitute success to you. So maybe before we get there, Kent, let's just let's reflect on the 47% success rate over the last 15 years, because that's pretty stark given where we all expect IU basketball to be in the national pecking order. It's awful. We would like for it to be what it was for Wisconsin the previous 15 years, 16 years under Bo Ryan. We would like that kind of consistency in in winning and there's no reason that that can't happen. I like the way Archie Miller is recruiting Indiana. If you don't recruit Indiana well, you can't win at Indiana because you're not going to get kids from New York, Massachusetts, Virginia in bulk at the level of talent right. necessary to win. 
to love the idea of going to Bloomington to play basketball like we do. You're just not. So there are going to be times when you have Indiana kids who maybe aren't good enough to win a national championship when all cobbled together, but there are going to be times that you can. I, I want to see them. And, and let's say this, too. This is not like some idea of self-determination with Indiana where they're going to decide to be great and they're going to be better than everybody else in the Big Ten every year. That's not go- going to happen. Everybody's trying to win. And it's really hard to win, especially now as kind of the talent level is sort of flattened, especially in the Big Ten, where you don't get the kind of preponderance of one and dones. You know, you, you got guys who, who are going to come in. You've got a team in Purdue who may not have a pro on it. You know what I mean? And they've lost three times in this Big Ten mm-hmm. season. You've got to grow them from within, and you've got to grow them over a period of time. That's why... I absolutely loved Ed Schilling Jr. as a hire for this team because he's a guy who can produce high-quality players. They come in as freshmen, and they're going to get better because of the work that Ed Schilling does with them. Yeah, and you can sprinkle in those top-level national recruits, you know, along with those you know, younger or, the, or or those four-year guys. And I think that's what you've got to do to win successfully. It's funny, everybody gets caught up in the one-and-done thing, but you look at the last two national champions. Villanova and North Carolina weren't one-and-done teams. I mean, they were built with veteran players, and, and you're tending to see that a lot more. Look at the top of college basketball right now. You've got Virginia. You've got Villanova. Michigan State has veterans on it. You know, I mean, these, you know, so while one and done is is in vogue, you need veterans to win titles yep. and, and to be the best team consistently because those guys, A, they're going to know the struggle of college basketball. They're going to know what to expect. They're going to know how, what it takes to win in college basketball. And they're going to be able to guide those young guys once they're on campus and kind of show them the ropes. You need those players. I think Kent's right. It, it, when, you, when you're looking at the Big Ten, you don't see a ton of one-and-done guys. You might get a guy at Michigan State every couple of years who's, who's going to be out. Miles Bridges probably should have been a one-and-done. Jaron Jackson's probably a one-and-done. Um, but the, Tom Izzo also develops players, and, and he has guys who stick around for a while and, and you know, torture you for years. But, if, you know, you're right. The, the, the talent level, given national television exposure now, Kids can go anywhere and be on national TV. It used to be that Indiana, Georgetown, uh, you know, UNC, Kansas got all the top players. You know, UCLA, teams like that got all the top players. Now that everybody's on national TV, Villanova can get a top guy. Uh, you know, all these other schools can can dip their toe in those in those high recruiting waters. And so it is flattened out, and there is a lot more parity. So you've got to have better player development than the guy next to you. Recruiting's important. Player development is just as important. And you're right about Ed Schilling. I thought that was a great hire. And I honestly thought whoever became the Indiana coach had to go get that guy. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, that was just it. Look, there's if there's anybody that's plugged in in Indiana and that knows how to develop, to recruit and develop Indiana players, it's Ed Schilling. And so it was a great hire. That was the most intriguing part of the Alford equation. If Alford came to Bloomington, I thought he'd bring Ed with him. And I like that a lot. So we got kind of Archie and Ed, so good and good. Yeah, no, I agree. And and I think that, that that's an unheralded part of the program. And, and yeah. that's, you know, that's always an unheralded part of a basketball program is your development staff because you don't see what goes on into that. You don't see the day-to-day. You just see the product on the court. But over long trends, you know, I don't it, it, Basketball staffs don't get the credit that I think college football staffs do because college football staffs, you see the defensive coordinator, you know, they show them a lot on the bench. You see the offensive coordinator talking to the players and all that stuff in basketball. You just see the head coach. And and, and I think that those guys don't get the credit they deserve uh, for what they do. And, And quite frankly, sometimes they're worth their weight in gold. Well, not to mention what you guys are describing is the type of program that is more rewarding for fans to watch anyway. You know, I was just talking about this at lunch, you know, watching a team of of guys who are there for three or four years and you watch them develop and you see them go through the ups and downs and you 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 build kind of a relationship with these players, you know, and 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 you know them better than, you know, maybe just the one and done guys. I remember, you know, I said something about that on Twitter and, you know, Duke people were like tweeting at me like you would die for our success. And like yeah, I would like to have that level of success, that level of wins. I just wouldn't want to do it with that philosophy because to me, it's not as as enjoyable from a fan perspective. And I think I think that's how Indiana is going to have to build it. And I think under Archie Miller, that seems like what he wants 
to build is that kind of a program. That's the tough part of the Indiana heritage is that it's not enough to win. you got to win given all of these caveats that we have as fans. You can't cheat. Guys have to earn meaningful degrees, not just degrees, but <laughs> meaningful degrees. They can't get in trouble on campus. They have to be excellent representatives of the program and the university. And, I mean, it's just a you litany walk, it's of a this edge. stuff. Yeah. You know, we it, want our it, cake, our pie, our ice cream, <laughs> exactly. and all of it, and we want to eat it, too. That's... No, I look, I, I will say that I, you have a great point with that, Jared, about, like, what is rewarding for Indiana fans. I will say, as an Indiana fan, uh, you know, I, I arrived in Indiana in 2003, and the most rewarding thing for me as a fan was watching Yogi Ferrell's career. Mm -hmm. The ups, the downs, the going sideways, you know, whatever it was, seeing his senior year and and those four years come to a conclusion Mm -hmm. with him, regardless of where they finished in the tournament and all that stuff, it was so rewarding because you went through that journey with him. You know, and I I love that. Even victors over three years was rewarding. Yeah, I would agree with that as well. I mean, Mm -hmm. very rewarding. Um, But I think that 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 Yogi timeline was so crazy because it was you know great terrible great you know and and then (laughs) then he finished it out with that great finish um where he was just playing as well as anybody in the country at the time and then going out and beating kentucky in the ncaa tournament i mean you couldn't have finished on a higher note unless you won a national championship i feel like you know and and given all the accolades and and everything he earned and and he went out and earned for himself um that was so great to watch. And, yeah. I, and I agree, you can't get that from a one and done. I mean, it's great to have a super talented guy on campus. It really is. Uh, but at the same time, there is something so rewarding about going through the slog with these guys yeah. and, and, and going, you know, sort of being a fly on the wall as they go through the wars on the court. Yeah, and, and the point is that doing it that way, it's not just that that fits our romantic notion of what college sports are supposed to be like. I think that's the smart way to build a college basketball team because you get more fully realized players as opposed to just freshmen who are filled with potential. But when it gets down to the nitty gritty of playing, you know, three games in seven days in Big Ten play, they're not ready for it yet because they haven't done it. You, you look know, at you Purdue, want the experience guys, right? Starting four seniors. You look at a, a program like Wisconsin, they just somehow or another retired Frank Kaminsky's number the other night. Yeah, I, I, which I don't get. But that aside, that guy as a freshman was a, he was a developmental project, yep. and he became a really good Big Ten basketball player who was the ninth pick overall in the 2015 draft. Really, really good player who Bo Ryan developed from point A to B to C to D and and beyond. That's the way you do it in the Big Ten. You're listening to the Assembly Call. I'm Jared Morris. I'm here with Ryan Phillips and Kent Sterling. So, given all of that, and we talked about what the last 15 years have been like, Kent. Oh, I, I think you're pretty high on Archie Miller so far yeah. and, and what he's done. What do you think that stat is over the next 15 years, if you have to guess? And and what, what is the standard? Like, what will constitute success for you? It's kind of a sliding scale, right? Like, we don't want consistent B-level teams. Kind of like the last six years of Bob Knight. Yeah, We don't want that. You know, win 21 games and you wash out in the first or second round of the NCAA tournament, that's no good. Win a championship recede a little bit to the mean, go and win a Big Ten championship, recede a little bit to the that kind of fluctuation doesn't bother me. But if you're gonna if you're gonna tolerate the mediocre, you better have the excellent too. Yeah. No, I mean, it's not I, a specific I, answer. I, I, yeah. I agree. I think look, I think you've got it's your to, birthday. <laughs> take a break. You've got to be in the NCAA tournament pretty much every year. I mean, you know, yeah. if you're if we're looking at this, you got you gotta hit ninety five percent. You know, you're going to have a one year where maybe you had a bunch of, you had a great season and a bunch of guys go pro or something and you just, you didn't expect it. You get hit with a wave of departures. That happens in college basketball these days. And, and, and maybe that didn't happen 20 years ago, but it happens now. And, and, um, but those seasons sometimes do build the program. They help you build the program to sort of tear it down and, and, and get the fresh takes in there and get, get, get a fresh look at things. Um, but I think also at the same time, you've got to have consistent success. I mean, you you know, I think the goal every year, uh, we've set this out, is top four in the Big Ten and the Sweet 16, is is that's the baseline every year. Now, as Kent said, you're going to fall short of that uh, occasionally, but if you fall short of that, you better be getting to Elite Eights. You better be getting to Final Fours. You better be winning championships also mixed in there. But I think when you start the season, you can't say, okay, we want to go win a national championship. Well, of course you want to go win a national championship. Right. You know how lucky you have to get to win a national championship. I mean, you, you have to get a great draw. You have to get 
you know, play teams sometimes that have injuries. You have to, but you can go in knowing you have a chance, you know, like being in the conversation. But I mean, you know, if you, if you are top four of the big 10 consistently and you go to the sweet 16 consistently, you're going to get lucky one of those years and make that run. Um, you know, but you know, it's, it's some people will say like, well, if you win a big 10 championship, but you're out in the sweet 16, that's not a successful season because you have, that's a great season. What are you talking about? You know, you want a big 10 title. I mean, you've got to control the things you can control and you can control winning a big 10 championship. You know, you can't control what draw they give you in the NCAA tournament. I mean, the year with Cody Zeller, Victor Oladipo, I always forget the, the number. They gave you Indiana a horrible draw in that tournament. I mean, yeah. a team that had been number one all year gave a horrible draw and an awful matchup with Syracuse. The one team that I told Jared, there were two teams I didn't want to play. Mm-hmm. Didn't want to face Wisconsin. Didn't want to face Syracuse. Boom. Of course I jinxed it. We faced Syracuse, you know? So again, mm-hmm. you can't control that. That was an awful, awful matchup with Indiana short guards and all that stuff. So there's things you cannot control. So I think that again, it, it, you're right. It's about consistency, but it's also about, look, you're going to have a down year here and there. That's just the nature of college sports. At some point, you've got to reach those upper heights, though, to balance out those down years. We need hope. Well, as long as I, you got hope. As long as you can sell a vision of hope. And belief. Right? I mean, well, yeah, but yeah. I mean, into an, you this, know what I mean? This turned into the Shawshank Redemption all of a sudden. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I, I agree with you. I, and that's why I love talking about the kids who are coming next year. Because the kids who are coming next year, that is a great recruiting class because it's a bunch. There, there's no, I mean, there. I would say Forrester's a bit of a project. It, he has some project elements to him, but everybody on that list that's coming in, including Ray Thompson, who's on campus now, yeah. is at least a very solid basketball player with a lot of upside available. Yeah. All right, coming up in our final segment, as we always do, we will answer some of the questions that you sent in. That is next. Stick with us here on the Assembly Call. listening to the assembly call i'm jared morris here with ryan phillips and kent sterling wrapping up another week of talking indiana basketball and we've been telling you for the past couple of weeks but we are in town we're in uh indiana this week we will be at the indiana ohio state game friday night so if you want to come hang out with us ryan i think we're going to hang out at nick's in the afternoon from like three to five then go to the game, then hang out at the tap afterwards. So you'll be able to find us quite easily. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We, we'll, we'll post on Twitter, but it, but if you are around, let us know. Uh, and a couple a couple of you already have, so uh, that's definitely a great way. And and hopefully we'll be able to see you and shake your hand and thank you for being a, a member of our audience and making what we do uh, so rewarding. Because uh, obviously we wouldn't be here, we wouldn't be able to be here without you. So uh, just a few questions, guys, here as we wrap up. Um, this question comes in from Anthony Kent and, and kind of goes back to what we were talking about earlier. But if Romeo elects to go elsewhere, who do you project as our starting two guard next year? Oh, good heavens. It's awfully thin. Yeah. I <laughs> the mean, guy might not be on the roster. Yeah, I don't think I mean, he's there. Yeah, I'll, bail, you, I'll bail you out here. I don't think Archie is married to a point guard. Uh shooting guard, you know, small forward type lineup. I, I think that it'll just be the two best guards. Zach? And, well, I guess who, who would be the second ball handler then is maybe the better way to say I, it. I think you're, so I, I guess we're assuming Devontae Green is there. Devontae and Al. Yeah. And Al Durham. And then Robert Finnessy is going to be in the mix. Yeah, I, yeah. I think really, Rob's going to play. Uh, yeah, yeah. And, and it, it you know, he might come off the bench to start the season. But, I mean, Archie is definitely not the kind of guy who's going to have the same starting five all year. You know, he's, he's you can see he's going to mix it up and have the best players play. So I think I think Robert Finnessy, I think it's I think it's a big stretch to say that he'll be starting coming in because you got to have that adjustment, period. But I would say right now, probably because of his defense, you got to put Al Durham out there with Devontae Green in the backcourt. I mean... You know, you know that's that's a really good aggressive defense. And you know, it's going to start defense first with Archie Miller. Uh, you know, Zach McRoberts also. You know, it, again, it's going to depend on the the development of these guys in the offseason. But I think that that's that's a fairly solid bet with those guys. I think mm. Al Durham is a really good bet to take a jump. I agree from freshman to sophomore. I think he's going to be a really good sophomore. His, his offensive game needs to be more consistent, yeah. but at the same time. I mean, with his go-go gadget arms, man, he is so fun to watch on defense. It's, it's. I mean, it's like when OG Ananobi was out there. Guys throw passes, and they just don't understand how long his arms are. Yep. They don't plan for it. So uh, I think I'll, I think there's a real good chance for for some development there. And he's really good at getting to the basket and getting in the lane. He's just got to be able to shoot. Again, you know, it's consistency yeah. with his ball handling getting into the lane. I mean, because he, he's willing to go into the lane and mix it up. 
but it's got to, he's got to be consistent with the ball handling, make moves on guys. Yeah. You know, and, and the other question that we got from Ethan kind of plays off of that. Would Devontae Green be better off playing uh, ne- uh, the, uh, the two next year next to Robert Finnessy as opposed to being the lead ball handler? Oh, golly. He I, should not be the starting point guard. You can't have him. He, he's got to play off guard. He yeah. can't be a point guard. Again, I think it's going to be a shared ball situation. Yeah. I, do, I don't think Archie's married to that one guy has to right. bring the ball up. I think it's going to be, you know, there's going to be situations where he has to be the lead guard, you know, or he's in the game. And <laughs> I don't know if it'll be starting. I don't know if he's going to be 35 minutes as a lead guard, but there's going to be, you know, there's going to be, there's, he's going to wind up being the lead guard for stretches of games as well. Um, look, I, I love Robert Fantasy. I love what he's doing. I, I think it's a lot to ask for him to come in and start in the Big Ten, you know, as a freshman. Do I think he'll eventually be starting? Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah. Um, especially if he continues at the pace he's on right now. But, I, yeah, I think you've got to get Devontae Green ready to be a guy who's going to handle the ball next year a lot. And, look, he's had stretches over the last, you know, seven games, I'd say, where he's been handling the ball a lot and playing really well and not turning the ball over. The problem is the consistency that we've harped on all year where he goes into Nebraska and turns it over six times. The know? problem is who he's doing it against, too. Yeah, Indiana is beating deal. the bottom feeders, yep. and they can't beat the better teams. Yep. They are, are truly a mediocre team in the Big Ten. Yep. They are a 6-7, and they belong there. And and, and I, I completely agree with you. And, and, you know, it's one of those things. We've seen it, though, with Purdue and with Michigan State. They were just there to knock off one of those top-tier teams at home. And just didn't get it. And that's what they got to do with Ohio State. They got to get that one assembly hall win yeah. this yeah. year. All right, we got about 30 seconds left. We just got this question in. Who will publish the next Tom Crean puff piece? Kent, I believe that's scheduled to go up on your blog. <laughs> yeah, that's what right? I do. <laughs> oh, I can't wait to just, you know, blow smoke up uh, Tom Tom Crean's backside. Yeah, that's me. Now, who's the guy? Who's the guy? The Harbaugh apologist and biographer? Michael Rosenberg. Yeah, I that's the guy. It's yes. going to be that guy. <laughs> yes. Oh, <laughs> uh, yes. It almost, it almost always is. All right. <laughs> well, that will do it for us on this week's episode of The Assembly Call. If you want to see us do the show live and be part of the live chat, join us at assemblycall.com on Thursday nights for the live broadcast uh, of our Assembly Call radio recording. Or you can always subscribe to our podcast by searching for Assembly Call wherever you listen to podcasts. And don't forget, go to assemblycall.com slash join to join our free email newsletter. Thank you for listening. We will be back to talk IU hoops again with you next week. Until then, keep your elbows in and your eyes on the rim. And go Hoosiers. Thank you for being here and for listening to this episode of The Assembly Call. We appreciate it. And we really do rely on the support of audience members like you to keep our show going and to keep growing. And so we have set up a page on our website at assemblycall.com slash support that lists five ways that you can support the Assembly Call. And we encourage you to choose whichever method is the easiest and most convenient for you. One of the methods is donating, and so many of you have donated, and we appreciate it so much. On that page, you can choose a monthly recurring donation or an annual recurring donation or just a one-time donation, whatever works for you. And if you don't want to donate, Another way to support the show is you can use our affiliate URLs, iutickets.shop or iustore.shop when you're going to shop for tickets or gear, and we will get paid a small commission when you use those links. But however you support the show, we appreciate it. Thank you. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. Tonight's Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player client. Sticky notes. Email alerts. A string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. Tonight's Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player client.